Section two of Common Sense in the Household. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by phone. Common Sense in the Household A Manual of Practical Housewifery by Marion Harland. Familiar talk with my fellow housekeeper and reader. A talk as woman to woman, in which each shall say, I, and you, and my dear, and you know, as freely as she pleases. It would not be a womanly chat if we omitted these forms of expression. An informal preface to what I mean shall be an informal book, bristling with eyes all the way through. If said bristles offend the critic's touch, let him remember that this work is not prepared for the library, but for readers who trouble themselves a little about editorial wheeze, and the circumlocutions of literary modesty. I wish it were in my power to bring you, the prospective owner of this volume, in person, as I do in spirit, to my side on this winter evening, when the baronies are folded like the flocks, the order for breakfast committed to the keeping of Bridget or Gretchen or Chloe, or the plans for the morrow definitely laid in the brain of that ever-busy but most independent of women, the housekeeper who does her own work. I should perhaps summon to our cosy conference a very wary companion, wary of foot, of hand, and I should not deserve to be your confidant, did I not know how often heart-weary with discouragement, with much producing of ways and means, with a certain despondent looking forward to the monotonous grinding of the household machine, to the certainty, proved by past experience, that toilsome as has been this day, the morrow will prove yet more abundant in labours, in trials of strength and nerves and temper. You would tell me what a dreary problem this of woman's work that is never done is to your fainting soul. How, try as you may, and as you do to be systematic and diligent, something is always turning up in the treadmill to keep you on the strain. How you often say to yourself, in bitterness of spirit, that it is a mistake of Christian civilization to educate girls into a love of science and literature, and then condemn them to the routine of a domestic drudge. You do not see, you say, that years of scholastic training will make you a better cook or better wife or mother you have seen the time nay many times since assuming your present position when you would have exchanged your knowledge of ancient and modern languages belles music and natural science for the skill of a competent kitchen-maid the learning how is such hard work labour too uncheered by encouraging words from mature housewives unsoftened by sympathy even from your husband or your father or brother or whoever may be the one to whom you make home lovely it may be that in utter discouragement you have made up your mind that you have no talent for these things i have before me now the picture of a wife the mother of four children who many years ago sickened me for all time with that phrase in a slatternly morning gown at four in the afternoon leaning back in the laziest and most ragged of rocking chairs dust on the carpet on the open piano the mantle the mirrors even on her own hair she rubbed the soft palm of one hand with the grimy fingers of the other and with a sickly sweet smile whined out now i am one of the kind who have no talent for such things the kitchen and housework and sewing are absolutely hateful to me utterly uncongenial to my turn of mind the height of my earthly ambition is to have nothing to do but to paint on velvet all day i felt then in the height of my indignant disgust that there was propriety as well as wit in the spectator's suggestion that every young woman should before fixing the wedding-day 
be compelled by law to exhibit to inspectors a prescribed number of useful articles as her outfit napery bed linen clothing etc made by her own hands and that it would be wise legislation which should add to these proofs of her fitness for her new sphere a practical knowledge of housework and cookery if you have not what our yankee grandmothers termed a faculty for housewifery yet are obliged as is the case with an immense majority of american women to conduct the affairs of a household bills of fare included there is the more reason for earnest application to your profession if the natural taste be dull lay to it more strength of will resolution born of a just sense of the importance of the knowledge and dexterity you would acquire do not scoff at the word profession call not that common and unclean which providence has designated as your life-work i speak not now of the labours of the culinary department alone but without naming the other duties which you and you only can perform i do insist that upon method skill economy in the kitchen depends so much of the well-being of the rest of the household that it may be safely be styled the root the foundation of housewifery i own it would be pleasanter in most cases especially to those who have cultivated a taste for intellectual pursuits to live above the heat and odour of this department it must be very fine to have an efficient aide-de-camp in the person of a french cook or a competent sub-manager or an accomplished head-waiter who receives your orders for the day in your boudoir or library and executes the same with zeal and discretion that leave you no room for anxiety or regret such mistresses do not need cookery books the few and it must be borne in mind that in this country these are very few born in an estate like this would not comprehend what i am now writing would not enter into the depths of that compassionate yearning which moves me as i think of what i have known for myself in the earlier years of my wedded life what i have heard and seen in other households of honest intentions brought to contempt of ill-directed toil of mortification and the heavy wearing sense of inferiority that puts the novice at such a woeful disadvantage in a community of notable managers there is no use in enlarging upon this point you and i might compare experiences by the hour without exhausting our store and then you sigh with a sense of resentment upon you however amiable your disposition for the provocation is dire cookery books and young housekeeper's assistants and all that sort of thing are such humbugs dark lanterns at best too often will-o'-the-wisps my dear would you mind handing me the book which lies nearest you on the table there dickens of course you will usually find something of his in every room in this house almost as surely as you will a bible it rests and refreshes one to pick him up at odd times and dip in anywhere here the bride mrs john rokesmith upon her common grievance she was under the constant necessity of referring for advice and support to a sage volume entitled the complete british family housewife which she would sit consulting with her elbows upon the table and her temples in her hands like some perplexed enchantress poring over the black art this principally because the complete british housewife however sound a Briton at heart, was by no means an expert Briton at expressing herself with clearness in the British tongue, and sometimes might have issued her directions to equal purpose in the Kamchatkan language. Don't interrupt me, my long-suffering sister, there is more of the same sort to come. There was likewise a coolness on the part of the complete British housewife, which Mrs. John Rokesmith found highly exasperating. She would say, take a salamander, as if a general should command a private to catch a tartar or she would casually issue the order 
throw in a handful of something entirely unattainable in these the housewife's most glaring moments of unreason bella would shut her up and knock her on the table apostrophizing her with the compliment oh you are a stupid old donkey where am i to get it do you think when i took possession of my first real home the prettily furnished cottage to which i came as a bride more full of hope and courage than if i had been wiser five good friends presented me with as many cookery books each complete and all by different compilers one day's investigation of my menage convinced me that my lately hired servants knew no more about cookery than i did or affected stupidity to develop my capabilities or ignorance too proud to let them suspect the truth or to have it bruited abroad as a topic for pitying or contemptuous gossip i shut myself up with my complete housewives and inclined seriously to the study of the same comparing one with the other and seeking to shape a theory which should grow into practice in accordance with the best authority i don't like to remember that time the question of disagreeing doctors and the predicament of falling between two stools are trivial perplexities when compared with my strife and failure said the would-be studious countryman to whom a mischievous acquaintance lent webster's unabridged dictionary as an entertaining volume i wrestled and i wrestled and i wrestled with it but i couldn't get up much of an interest my wrestling begat naught save pitiable confusion hopeless distress and a three days sick headache during which season i am not sure that i did not darkly contemplate suicide as the only sure escape from the meshes that girt me at the height or death of my despondency a friend one with a great heart and steady brain came to my rescue her cheerful laugh over my dilemma rings down to me now through all these years refreshing me as it then saluted my ears bless your innocent little heart she cried in her fresh gay voice ninety-nine out of a hundred cookbooks are written by people who never kept house and the hundred by a good cook who yet doesn't know how to express herself to the enlightenment of others compile a receipt book for yourself make haste slowly learn one thing at a time and when you have mastered it make a note on it as captain cuttle says never losing sight of the principle that you must do it in order to learn how then she opened to me her own neatly written manual the work of years recommending as i seized it that i should commence my novitiate with simple dishes this was the beginning of the hoard of practical receipts i now offer for your inspection for twenty years i have steadily pursued this work gleaning here and sifting there and levying such remorseless contributions upon my friends that i fear the sight of my paper and pencil has long since become a bugbear for the kindness and courtesy which have been my invariable portion in this quest i hereby return hearty thanks for the encouraging words and good wishes that have ever answered the hint of my intention to collect what had proved so valuable to me into a printed volume i declare myself to be yet more adepter i do not claim for my compen the proud preeminence of the complete american housewife it is no boastful system of cookery taught in twelve lessons and i should write myself down a knave or a fool were i to assert that a raw cook or ignorant mistress can by half a day's study of my collection equal sawyer or blot or even approximate the art of a half-taught scullion we may as well start from the right point if we hope to continue friends you must learn the rudiments of the art for yourself practice and practice alone will teach you certain essentials the management of the ovens the requisite thickness of boiling custards the right shade of brown upon bread and roasted meats 
these and dozens of other details are hints which cannot be imparted by written or oral instructions but once learned they are never forgotten and henceforward your fate is in your own hands you are mistress of yourself though servants leave have faith in your own abilities you will be a better cook for the mental training you have received at school and from books brains tell everywhere to say nothing of intelligent observation just judgment a faithful memory and orderly habits consider that you have a profession as i said just now and resolve to understand it in all its branches my book is designed to help you i believe it will if for no other reason because it has been a faithful guide to myself a reference beyond value in seasons of doubt and need i have brought every receipt to the test of common sense and experience those which i have not tried myself were obtained from trustworthy housewives the best i know i have enjoyed the task heartily and from first to last the persuasion has never left me that i was engaged in a good cause throughout i have had you my dear sister present before me with the little plate between your brows the wistful look about eye and mouth that revealed to me as words could not your desire to do your best in a humble home and in a humble way i hear you add perhaps you are not ambitious you only want to help john and to make him and the children comfortable and happy heaven reward your honest loyal endeavours would you mind if i were to whisper a word in your ear i don't care to have progressive people hear although progress is a grand thing when it takes the right direction my dear john and the children and the humble home make your sphere for the present you say be sure you fill it full before you seek one wider and higher there is no better receipt between these covers than that leave the rest to god everybody knows those four lines of george herbert's which ought to be framed and hung up in the workroom of every house a servant with this clause makes drudgery divine who sweeps a room as for thy laws makes that and actions fine i wonder if the sainted poet knows in that land where drudgery is one of the rough places forever overpassed and work is unmingled blessing to how many sad and striving hearts those words have brought peace and by way of helping john not only by saving money and preparing palatable and wholesome dishes for his table but by sparing the wife he loves many needless steps and much hurtful care will you heed a homely hint or two relative to the practice of your art study method an economy of time and strength no less than of materials i take it for granted that you are too intelligent to share in the vulgar prejudice against labour-saving machines a raisin cedar costs a trifle in comparison with the time and patience required to stone the fruit in the old way a good egg-beater the dover for instance is a treasure so with farina kettles syllabub churns apple corers potato peelers and slicers clothes wringers and sprinklers and the like most of these are made of tin are therefore cheap and easily kept clean let each article have its own place in the closet and kitchen to which restore it so soon as you have done using it before undertaking the preparation of any dish read over the receipt carefully unless you are thoroughly familiar with the manufacture of it many excellent housewives have a fashion of saying loftily when asked how such things are made i carry all my receipts in my head i never wrote out one in my life and you if timid and self-distrustful are smitten with shame keep your receipt book out of sight and cram your memory with ingredients and measures times and weights for fear mrs notable should suspect you of rawness and inefficiency 
whereas the truth is that if you have a mind worthy of the name its powers are too valuable to be laden with such details master the general principles as i said just now and for particulars look to your marching orders having refreshed your memory by this reference pick out from your household stores and set in convenient order within reach of your hand everything you will need in making ready the particular compound under consideration then take your stand in the midst or sit if you can it is common sense oftentimes a pious duty to take judicious care of your physical health i lay it down as a safe and imperative rule for kitchen use never stand when you can do your work as well while sitting if i could have john's ear for a minute i would tell him that which would lead him to watch you and exercise wholesome authority in this regard next prepare each ingredient for mixing that the bread cake pudding soup or ragout may not be delayed when half finished because the flour is not sifted or the shortening warmed the sugar and butter are not creamed the meat is not cut up or the herbs not minced don't begin until you are ready then go steadily forward without haste without rest and think of what you are doing dickens again why not since there is no more genial and pertinent philosopher of common life and everyday subjects to quote then it was a maxim of captain swasser said mrs badger speaking in his figurative naval manner that when you make pitch hot you cannot make it too hot and that if you have only to swab a plank you should swab it as if davy jones were after you it appears to me that this maxim is applicable to the medical as well as the nautical profession to all professions observed mr badger it was admirably said by captain swasser beautifully said but it will sometimes happen that when you have heated your pitch or swabbed your deck or made your pudding according to the light set before you the result is a failure this is especially apt to occur in a maiden effort you have wasted materials and time and suffered moreover acute demoralization are enwrapped in a wet blanket of discouragement instead of the seemly robe of complacency yet no part of the culinary education is more useful if turned to proper account than this very discipline of failure it is a stepping-stone to excellence sharp it is true but often sure you have learned how not to do it right which is the next thing to success it is pretty certain that you will avoid in your second essay the rock upon which you have split this time and after all there are few failures which are utter and irremediable scorched soups and custards sour bread biscuit yellow with soda and cake heavy as lead come under the head of hopeless they are absolutely unfit to be set before civilized beings and educated stomachs should such mishaps occur lock the memory of the attempt in your own bosom and do not vex or amuse john and your guests with the narration still less with visible proof of the calamity many a partial failure would pass unobserved but for the clouded brow and earnest apologies of the hostess do not apologize except at the last gasp if there is but one chance in ten that a single person present may not discover the deficiency which has changed all food on the table to dust and gravel stones to you trust to the one chance and carry off the matter bravely you will be astonished to find if you keep your wits about you how often even your husband will remain in blissful ignorance that aught has gone wrong if you do not tell him you know so well what should have been the product of your labour that you exaggerate the justice of others perceptions console yourself furthermore with the reflection that yours is not the first failure upon record nor the million and first and that there will be as many to-morrows as there have been yesterdays 
don't add to a trifling contretemps the real discomfort of a discontented or fretful wife say blithely if john note your misfortune i hope to do better another time and do not be satisfied until you have redeemed your pledge experience and your quick wit will soon teach you how to avert impending evils of this nature how to snatch your preparations from imminent destruction and by ingenious correctives or concealments to make them presentable these you will soon learn for yourself if you keep before you the truism i have already written to wit that few failures are beyond repair never try experiments for the benefit of invited guests nor when john is at home risk the success of your meal upon a new dish have something which you know he can eat and introduce experiments as by play but do not be too shy of innovations in the shape of untried dishes variety is not only pleasant but healthful the least pampered palate will weary of stereotyped bills of fare it is an idea which should have been exploded long ago the plain roast boiled and fried on monday tuesday wednesday and thursday codfish on friday with pork and beans every saturday are means of grace because economical and with this should have vanished the prejudice against warmed-over meals or réchauffé as our french friends termed them i have tried in the following pages to set forth the attractions of these and their claims to your attentions as being savoury economical nourishing and often elegant in preparing these acceptably everything depends upon your own taste and skill season with judgment cook just enough and not a minute too long and dish nicely the recommendation of the eye to the palate is a point no cook can afford to disregard if you can offer an unexpected visitor nothing better than bread and butter and cold ham he will enjoy the luncheon twice as much if the bread be sliced thinly and evenly spread smoothly each slice folded in the middle upon the buttered surface and piled symmetrically if the ham be also cut thin scarcely thicker than a wafer and garnished with parsley cresses or curled lettuce set on mustard and pickles let the tablecloth and napkin be white and glossy the glass clear and plate shining clean and add to these accessories to comfort a bright welcome and my word for it you need fear no dissatisfaction on his part however epicurean may be his tastes should your cupboard be bare of aught more substantial than crackers and cheese do not yield to dismay split the crackers if splittable toast the inside lightly and butter while hot grate your cheese into a powdery mound garnishing the edges of the plate if you have no beverage except water to set before him let this be cool and pour it out for him yourself into an irreproachable glass a dirty tablecloth a smeared goblet or a sticky plate will spoil the most luxurious feast a table well set is half spread i have not said one-tenth of that which is pressing upon my heart and mind yet i fear you may think me trite and tedious one suggestion more and we will proceed to the details of business i believe that so far as i can avail in securing such a result my receipts are accurate but in the matter of seasoning and other minor details consult your judgment and john's taste take this liberty with whatever receipt you think you can improve if i chance to find in your work-basket or upon the kitchen dresser a well-thumbed copy of my beloved common sense with copious annotations in the margin i shall so far from feeling wounded be flattered in having so diligent a student and with your permission shall engraft the most happy suggestions upon the next edition for the speedy issue of which the petitioner doth humbly pray marion harland note 
in looking over this book the reader will notice certain receipts marked thus i do not claim for these greater merit than should of right be accorded to many others i merely wish to call the attention of the novice to them as certainly safe and for the most part simple every one thus marked has been tried by myself most of them are in frequent some in daily use in my own family my reason for thus singling out comparatively a small number of receipts from the rest is the recollection of my own perplexities the loss of time and patience to which i have been subjected in the examination of a new cookery book with an eye to immediate use of the directions laid down for various dishes i have often and vainly wished for a fingerboard to guide me in my search for those which were easy and sure and which would result satisfactorily this sort of directory i have endeavoured to supply taking care however to inform the reader in advance that so far as i know there is not an unsafe receipt in the whole work of course it was not necessary or expedient to append the above sign to plain roast and boiled which are in common use everywhere end of section two recording by phone